thank you for agreeing to be part of National Home Improvement Council's celebration of women across construction as part of International Women's Day 2022. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. equality. Collectively, we can break the bias. So I'm your host, Anna Scotton, Chief Executive of the National Home Improvement Council. And in today's episode of the podcast, I'm excited to be meeting Joe Lucas from CoCreate. Hi, Joe. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And I'm really excited um, to be talking to you today. Um, and I know that we're going to be discussing how, ways that we can build workplaces where women thrive and celebrate the women like yourselves who are forging change and building a better future for themselves and for the wider built environment and for the planet and nature around us. Um, so I know you work as a director at CoCreate, which is a consultancy and that brings together the visionary and the practical. How did your career bring you to this point? <laughs> um, I am an engineer by background. Um, so I grew up in Arab. Um, and I think I, uh, you know, how you sort of almost like Harry Potter sorting hat. Um, I had a lecturer say to me, oh, <laughs> you, you are an Arab person. And I think Arab sort of attracts a certain um, type of thinker and then I got to marinate in that wonderful environment that they have which is very much about learning and very much about um it's slightly chaotic because it's sort of a family it was founded by a philosopher you know it's just not your standard um we're here to make a profit type company um it's all about making a better world and you can feel that throughout the whole element of Arab and it was a brilliant place to learn and to come together with so many people and I think what I figured out quite early on was um, I was more suited. I, there was lots of brilliant technical minds around me, but I ended up working on big mega projects um, almost right from the beginning. And in reality, the technical element was um, one of one element of it. So much of it was how do you get these huge numbers of people to actually work cohesively together. And I found myself in the role of picking up the phone each night as the UK would hand back to Australia where I was um, the work from the day. And then we'd have to work out, you know, what needed to be done and how that would work. Um, and I really enjoyed that sort of connecting role um, of trying to bring order. And so I ended up moving more into the management consultancy side of things mm. um, and learned so much about contracts and how they how they impact behaviors um, and moved across into a company called the Nichols Group, very similar sort of culture to Arab, just a lot smaller. Um, again, somebody sorting hat said, I think you're a Nichols person. My career seems to be made up of these sorts of things. Um, and then I started my own company when I had children because I wanted a huge amount of flexibility um, and I was working on the Olympics um, and I wanted to stay working on the Olympics in this very flexible way. And I had a wonderful client there who was very comfortable with me working in whatever way I liked um, as long as we got done what needed to be done. And again, I was in this sort of connecting role. So yeah, so it's sort of been this flow on that ended up with starting co-create, which is. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How, even though you were working for inspirational, uh, innovative companies in order to work in a way that supported you to have a family and 
that in a way that you you, you needed the flexibility you, you had to create or you felt that you wanted to create your own consultancy to enable that that to happen there still isn't that level of flexibility in a in a traditional work environment I mean I think one it was 15 years ago um so I think things have moved considerably on from when I was there and I mean that's not to say that I wasn't given a lot of choice compared to what was in the market at the time um but um I definitely wanted I was I wanted to be able to create my own career Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to put as much emphasis on my girls but not actually compromise my career path and that meant I needed a lot more flexibility than I think any company would be willing to give other than one you create for yourself (laughs) yeah I think um so ended up down this path of a group of us coming together so co-creates three of us um two females and Mick He does the um, behaviours and culture. Um, Karen does knowledge, um, setting up learning legacies. And I look after the network side. So how human networks come together. Fantastic. And and if I might, I wanted to dive in with the big question right away. Um, Are global campaigns like International Women's Day important? Do you think that they're needed? I think any platform which allows people to hear different perspectives are really important. Um, We are a meaning-making machine as humans. Um, We live by stories and I think we broaden our perspectives every time we get to hear voices that aren't necessarily, we don't necessarily hear normally in the normal run of things. Um, I think there's a flip side to these things. Sometimes they can um, send out a message of binary and I'm very against the concept of a very straightforward of this is a woman's issue. Um, And so I tend to raise this up to a systems level all the time of if we get the system right, then we will have the right people showing up Um, and it'll be reflected in who turns up in the boardroom and who turns up in the mycelium and how our organisations work. And so sometimes I worry that it sort of propagates this concept of a binary male female um, world and but at the same time really appreciate this opportunity that lets you talk to a much wider sway the people who wouldn't necessarily get a voice yeah I think you're absolutely right because it, it you can end up when you just focus on you know talking about women in the very um your talk it almost can end up that you're talking against men and it, it's not it's not about that it, it it's very much as you say about creating a system where diversity can thrive and you don't have to have um, the same types of people all around the table, um, but actually you can have diversity there. Yeah, I went to a really interesting um, talk last week, which was Suzanne Simard, um, and she wrote the book, um, Finding the Mother Tree. And she's basically the Charles Darwin of our time. She's the one who worked out, like if you've ever heard about trees talking to each other, Um, or the fact that they work almost in community. Um, She's the one who did all that of understanding the role of um, mycelium networks. And it's really impacted my work um, and where I've gone with it. But she was talking about her book and people in the room were trying to say that it was a feminist text because it does talk about family and it talks about relationships and it talks about um, the sharing and things that we associate with the feminine. And actually she brought it back to the concept that it's actually going back to our, our indigenous roots, like the indigenous roots all of us have of living in community 
um, and of seeing the systems that nature creates. And I just loved that reframing of it, of the diversity is needed. She's one of the first people who came up with the idea that it's really quite dangerous just to plant one type of tree species. Um, they actually do look after each other. So even from our perspective, we see these big trees overshadowing a small tree and we assume that it's harming the small tree. But if you look at the under the ground level into the roots, the large trees actually providing nutrients, even though they're shading it. So they're supporting it from underneath and they work as this ecosystem that's quite um, resilient because it has so many pathways. Yeah, I think that has such a powerful message for us. Absolutely. And I, I can remember seeing something very similar to that, where there, there's even a tree that was called by Indigenous peoples, the nursery tree, that that it did provide the shade, but it was in a very um, hot and arid desert environment. And it actually was nurturing these other trees that then provided fruits that allowed it. And, and again, it's that interconnectivity mm-hmm. um, of, of, of different species um, that, that actually uh, makes the whole thing work in a, in a way that I don't think that we've we've really understood nature up until recent science. At least in the Western uh, world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and there's always been, there's also, sorry, been, um, I was watching, um, it was Attenborough talking about birdsong. Mm. And they were talking very much around um, because Darwin was from the Northern Hemisphere and traditionally birds in the Northern Hemisphere, it is traditionally just the male birds that sing because of migration issues. They then there'd been, you know, decades where people didn't think that female birds sang. And actually they've (laughs) realized very, very recently, especially in, um, in, in, um, in the Southern Hemisphere that, you know, that female birds do sing and they defend territories because they don't migrate. <laughs> but, but actually yes. it's linked to migration. It's not actually linked to a gender issue. It's it's linked to to territorial issue mm. and, and food sources. So it's um it's all, all interesting stuff. And that leads us on to um, a, another initiative that you um, lead um, around eco to ego. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So um, ego to eco is the idea of um, at this point in time, the way that our organizations work, or at least the founding story of from the industrial era and for all sorts of reasons, is this idea of power over. Um, and I like to think about it as like the triangle um, and it fits beautifully with the time cost quality triangle that we so adore in the projects world um, and the hierarchical uh, origins of how you tend to organize organizations, etc. And the the need to that 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 served us well at a period of time when we were trying to um, harness the power of machines um, during the industrial era, um, when things were slightly less complex than they are now. Um, but we're starting to realize that that extractive method of working um, just isn't good for our planet. And we're seeing the repercussions of that and that continuous growth is an issue and that we need to think more in sustainability terms. And so this is sort of like the shift from that ego um, way of seeing the world through to an eco aware way of seeing the world, which is much more circular um, working with the patterns of life. But the, um, Ego to Eco is co-creates uh, not-for-profit. Um, we have a commitment to put about 40% of our time into um, the wider industry and supporting the wider industry. And we're working with the artist Wolfgang Buttress, um, who's known for the hive in Kew Gardens. And he does beautiful work of bringing 
um, nature, data and art together to help people connect with it through music and through light and through just beautiful artwork. And what we're creating is a digital forest. And the digital forest is made up of conversations. So workshops that people hold around topics of envisaging a better future that we want to all step toward. We tend to get quite eco um, anxious nowadays and we're told all the doom and gloom and how horrible yeah. it will be. Yeah. But actually the idea of returning to the patterns of nature and to returning to a more communal way of working and dare I say a more feminine um, culture mm. of community and togetherness um, we, we there's all sorts of positives that all that are potentially able to come out of this and part of this is giving people um, a safe space to come together and hold those types of conversations and we're doing this with um, big corporates who are sponsoring trees to allow the conversation to happen and we're giving the opportunity for people from across the world to actually connect with each other and talk about topics like fire resilience um, in fire affected sorry um, community resilience in fire affected communities mm -hmm. Um, talking about the role mycelium itself can play in building um, in a more ecological way. Um, we have all sorts of topics around um, collaborative design spaces. So how can we digitally come together in more effective ways? And really important to it is that we look at the trees above, which is kind of like what's explicitly said within our society and the rules that we base things on. But also we're looking at below the, below the surface line. So seeing the invisible which is the roots and the mycelium and all the connectivity and the relationships that are ever changing and ever moving. Yeah. And, and that's a, a really um, seamless link, I guess, into this year's theme around International Women's Day, around breaking the bias. And it, it talks about um, conscious and unconscious bias um, and, and, and where, whether bias is deliberate or unconscious, it, it it does make it difficult for women to move ahead or anyone from um, a non-traditional uh, background. Are there places where you see more bias than others? I think where the system's atrophied. So this is where we've done it. This is how we've always done it. Um, and it's become so ingrained in how you work that there's no ability to flex or adapt. And I think that's in some of our oldest industries, there's a bit of struggle there to try and flex to this. But I think for me, what I see is that it's not that we need to change what we're doing. We almost just need to see what we do and value it. So we as humans naturally work together with each other. You know, we, we do work in community. You can put the most stringent rules around how you should interact and we'll find ways around it. We are remarkably adaptable and our need to learn together and to work together is actually incredibly strong. Um, and that's what we find when we go into organisations all the time is that people have found ways around <laughs> these sorts of rules um, that have been set up in these industries. And half the time, all you're doing is unblocking things so that people can actually work in the way they want to work. And suddenly a lot of the... the bias goes away um, because you're hearing lots of other voices and you're hearing different perspectives. Um, I don't think you can ever get rid of individual bias. You need to work together um, yeah. to be able to see the world through different lenses. And unless you create environments where people can bump against each other like that, um, it, it just sort of you end up getting sort of groupthink going on sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. And, and it, it's not just having you know a room full of women because again you could you could end up having group think on that it yeah, is about yeah, it yeah. is around having um that 
genuinely looking around your physical table or um, project table or network table and thinking, well, how are we hearing from um, other parts of the community that are going to interact with the built environment in in our world? Um, And how are these decisions going to impact them? Completely. And one of the exercises we actually do is um, we give people a world map and you can colour in. And the normal question is, where were you born and where do you live as being the sort of standard ways of trying to get under people's difference. But actually what we ask is um, which parts of the world have affected your thinking? And it's really, it sparks such a level of conversation that we just Mm. love hearing because people colour in, like my daughter coloured in America. I'm like, we've never lived in America. I mean, maybe Australia, because I'm Australian and the UK, I was expecting that. And, she, and I said, why did you choose America? And she says, well, I spend my life, she's obsessed by Marvel. And yeah. she watches huge amounts of Marvel movies. And so therefore that's impacted her thinking. And I'm like, yeah, of course it has. So I find it really fascinating. But I can remember at my son's preschool, they said, oh, we know the kids that watch lots of American TV because they speak with American accents, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you think wow that's that yeah you're absolutely she's absolutely right yeah what a great question um we what has been your experience of working in well is it a traditionally male environment or is it that it's a perception of being traditionally male what's been your experience It's definitely traditionally male. Um, I'm in the railway side predominantly. I've typically worked in the railways and that's 4% females um, on the engineering side. Um, So for a large portion of my career, I was one of the only women in the room. Um, Bizarrely lately, I seem to, like my last three clients have been female and I seem to be surrounded by a superb crowd of women nowadays. So I'm not sure... I think within the mycelium, it's shifted considerably. Like there's definitely a different vibe. um, And that's been wonderful. Um, At the beginning of my career, a lot of it was around how can I fit into a man's world? Um, And how do I, and the biggest accolade you could get is, yeah, but you're like one of the blokes. Yeah. And that was like a badge of pride that you wore. Um, But I can't tell you're a woman. Yeah. (laughs) Or your husband must be henpecked because you're so assertive. (laughs) So (laughs) millions of stories of the little micro um, rubbish that goes on. But at the same time, it was like you were special. And so there's elements of that that you actually quite enjoyed was that you were well looked after as you're coming up your career because they were so excited to have different people in the room. Um, But I think, yeah, no, I think nowadays it's it's changing slowly. Um, It's changing in my world. So I don't know if that's a reflection of the choices I've made and the direction I've gone in um, or whether that's a wider reflection. That's hard to say. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in in that if you are the only woman in the room, um, there's baggage that comes with that. But there's also opportunity that comes with that as well. You're probably going to get remembered um, more than possibly others in the room because by very nature of the fact that you're you're different. But you you've got to um definitely have the courage of your convictions to make sure that that your voice is heard in that space yeah i mean i think what's really um what i've really appreciated is when we support each other so i remember going to one of my first um 
sort of very senior leaders uh, breakfast that we had. And we I'd been invited in. And I think there was about two of us who were there as females. And, you know, you go to the first ones and you're trying to get yourself heard. And people would talk over the top or the classic of taking your idea and then just saying it. And you're like, oh, my God, does this actually happen? Yeah, <laughs> and, it drives me. <laughs> And then we got into this routine where basically it'd be like, oh, as such and such said, so we'd reinforce each other and create this um, network of support uh, in the room. And that really has stayed with me, that that wonderful um, camaraderie. And when you come together and you work and support each other and look after each other and, um, and, and any voices in the room that aren't being heard, just raising them like amplifying them when you have the power in the room yeah. it's how you choose to use it uh, you, that is such a great thing because there's um th- there are often a lot of enlightened men that think well how can what more can we do you know we we i positively encourage women to apply or you know i would uh, recruit them what can i do what well, in the meetings that you go to if you agree with something a woman said say it say i really support Anna's point on mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, because that gives such a lot of validity to that point that can yeah. just can just get lost because it's come from a different voice, or if it's a young voice, or a, a voice from a person of color, or any minority group. If you agree with it, use your own power to support mm. it. I heard a recent quote which is really ringing in my head. Um, and they said, it's not about giving voice to the voiceless. It's about giving ears to the earless. Yeah. And it was such a moment because your people are talking. You may not hear them, but they are talking. And if you're running an organization or you're running a project, um, you want to be tapped into those voices. You want to be able to hear them. And sometimes you need an interpreter in that way of somebody like, you know, right, like by being an ally you saying it because someone can hear your voice but saying it's coming from there is way of giving ears to the earless they're just not hearing that voice in the room because they've made a series of assumptions or um, presupposed ideas on top of that whereas you have that power to go actually that's worth listening to yeah um they're they're talking if it's not like they're not talking yeah and don't just say it yeah and don't just say it again or on their behalf because that's something (laughs) entirely different (laughs) that's a a a great piece and what what advice um would you give your younger self or what advice do you wish you'd had when you when you started out when the sorting hat popped you in arabs what advice would you give yourself then oh i always hate these questions (laughs) i've got so much i could sit down with young joe for a very long time and i'm sure she wouldn't listen to any of it um so I do wonder at the uh, value of giving advice when you're not ready to hear it. Um, But there is definitely something around stop trying to fit in um, that each of us has a superpower and actually your responsibility in your career and in your life is to work out what you bring to the world and put it to the best use rather than trying to work out how to fit into a, a box that someone's that you think somebody's created um and it's when you find your place and you find your sidekicks who you know really work well with you and that you bounce off each other and you can be look after them you can be their sidekick um that's when you reach into your power and that's when you get to do your thing 
um, and that's when you're happiest and and that's when you spark your creativity and you get real joy out of your work so don't be afraid to be you absolutely and that's uh, that's when you thrive mm. that, that's when you're um you're absolutely right it's a superpower that's when you're multiplied you're fizzing it, everything's working right so we're almost at the end um of this episode and this podcast um it, it's called actually net zero for nothing it's usually around how um we can help listeners get their homes net zero ready um but as you know for the whole month of march um it's taken over um, for by women for to hear women's stories um, and to hear women's voices and 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 to link obviously around the International Women's Day theme. Um, but as we're discussing um, women and breaking the bias, what simple things do you think? And we we have touched on a few during that conversation. But what simple things do you think everyone can do, whether it be at home or at work, um, within their own families? Um, what what can everybody do to support and encourage diversity and inclusion? There's a brilliant quote by James Clear um, from Atomic Habits. And he says, we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And it's something I've been really mulling over. And I think it's something we can all do is just to take a look at what we do day to day that's heading towards these goals we have of diversity. So, you know, it, it's as simple as a kind word as you walk down a corridor and you see someone, you know, uh, someone doing something that is, that promotes diversity. They're listening, they're, they're finding their voice and speaking in that moment. Um, they're standing up to something and anything you can do to just support that and be kind to that that's that's a system like looking for those things having your eyes wide open the other one for me is definitely in that category of be an anthropologist <laughs> like instead of well, there's so many rules in this world that were just baked in at a time in history and they may have had a perfectly valid reason for being there at that time in history but things are changing rapidly now. So it's yeah. our responsibility to look at these things we take for granted. Like just anytime you get a statement that goes on in your head that says females do this, men do this, whatever it happens to be that you've got, yeah. just take the moment to go, is that real? Does that still serve us? Is this a rule I want to live my life by? Yeah. And then tweak it. Yeah, I was, I was amazed recently at... Um, some posts I saw on social media and it was connected to World Book Day um, and that some girls had dressed up for World Book Day as farmers um, because they are inspired by um, people like the Yorkshire Shepherdess and the Red Shepherdess and things like that, these um, sort of prominent female shepherds. And they've been made fun of at school because they'd worn trousers and, you know, well, farmings for men and 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 the, the 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 it had been brought to the fore by these um women innovators in this space saying this is crazy that this is still happening and it and it's so um you do have to check yourself and think and I do it with my own six-year-old son you know sometimes I'll say um you know fireman or something and I think no Anna stop firefighter yeah. police officer and I even find myself saying to him, you know, if we're going to the doctor and, and it's dead easy to say, and we'll see what he says. Mm. 
So I consciously say, we'll see what she says to because if I don't know if it's a man or a woman is what I'm getting. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so easy to let what was traditional for us in our youth become traditional in your narrative to your own children. And it's about just recognizing them, being aware and thinking, let's change that because I, you know, I if my son wants to do what's traditionally a, 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 what we have thought of as traditionally a, a, a female role. Why not? If that's what it, what he wants to go towards. And in the same way, if I had daughters, I'd want them to feel as though heaven forbid they could work in construction, you know, <laughs> my daughter wants to be a blacksmith. So uh, heading in that direction. <laughs> Fantastic. But, but it, it, it it's, um, when you shine a light on these issues, and I think that's why things like International Women's Day are important, because they give us an opportunity to have these conversations, explore these issues and, and laugh about them and think, yeah, this is silly that we still think like this. So come on, let's move the dial forward. Let's take a step in the right direction. Let's not beat each other up too much about it. That was the past, but we are going to do things better going forward because it is nuts. It's nuts that a woman gets paid less than a man. It's nuts that we think that women can't do certain jobs and men can't do other jobs. It, it, and, and we're not born that way. The system mm. creates us that way, that our environment, what we watch on TV, what we hear in the home, what we see on the news. Um, and, it, and we're all responsible for our own environments, aren't we? Yeah, we want to, um, we all have the feminine and the masculine in us mm -hmm. and it's no good to deny half of who you are. And I just want people to see the full tree right from the tippy tops of the leaves all the way down into the deep mycelium. Um, we are whole people and we should meet each other in that space. That's really powerful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Joe, again for joining us as part of this International Women's Day celebration of women across construction. And thank you also to our listeners for choosing to listen to us today. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes. And be sure to check out the show notes where I will put links to all of the resources that Joe has mentioned in today's episode in there so that you can go and see those quotes and uh, read the books that Joe's mentioned as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Joe. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. <laughs>